Welcome everyone to God Talk Uncensored, where no topic is off limits. We use the Bible as a source of truth, and everything we share is from our personal experiences and the Bible. All right, let's do this. Welcome to all my listeners. I am so glad that you guys tuned in today or tonight or whenever it is that you're listening. Um, to catch up real quick, so I have uh, been gone serving at a retreat uh, in Quitman, Texas at uh, a Quest Life event. It is the most impactful ministry I have ever uh, been a part of or seen within all of Christianity on this earth. So that's saying a lot. I've been to a lot of events in my days, lots of seminars and retreats, and you could not package them all together and have them hold a candle to what happens to men and women. It's done separately on these events. I could not possibly stress um, enough how absolutely life transformational this is. And for me to serve uh, uh, these men who got to have an encounter with God in a way that changed and transformed their life, I couldn't exchange that. And being a, a part of that is just, I mean, I did it myself. So that's the reason I'm, I'm plugging it right now. So um, if you're interested in what I'm talking about, you can email me, Zach at GodTalkUncensored.com or info at GodTalkUncensored.com. Okay. The reason I mention that is because there's a particular uh, verse that is used during the time people are um, questing or on this event. And it's a memory verse. And I just, it had a massive impact for me personally when I did this event myself. And uh, it was reiterated and highlighted, of course, once again, as a staff member, you know, on this event. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to read it and I'm going to break some stuff down of why I believe some of this is so important. Um, So the prophet Jeremiah, let me give you a little backstory. A couple decades before the complete fall of Jerusalem and the Southern kingdom uh, of Judah, which the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom, they split after, after uh, you know, King Solomon's reign and his kids and his, anyway, some stuff happened. They split into two kingdoms, the Southern Kingdom, Judah, and then they called the other kingdom Israel. Oftentimes, Israel is spoken of also of Judah, but for the most part, we're going to just encompass, uh, you know, this particular prophet who operated, uh, Jeremiah operated before the fall, a couple decades, and into the fall of, of um, the southern kingdom of Judah, oftentimes spoken of as Israel. And during this couple decades that he was a prophet, uh, the things that were going on, the, you know, the, the other prophets were, were speaking, but they were speaking stuff that was conducive to culture. They were heralding and communicating things that um, the king and and the people wanted to hear. What their itchy ears wanted to hear, these other prophets were speaking 
this this stuff and saying that this was God and this was okay with God and God was actually on board. And this is kind of the the, the theme that was happening before their absolute utter fall and collapse where they were taken into captivity for 70 years. And so Jeremiah was also called the weeping prophet because he cried out and cried out and cried out and told people to change and told people to repent and, and, you know, was, was constantly asking, you know, for his people to change, do different. And, uh, they didn't. They never did change. They never did repent. But one of the things that was happening during uh, his time, the time of Jeremiah, was the uh, right outside the temple courts were um, shrine prostitutes, male shrine prostitutes that were servicing men. They weren't there for the women. Uh, the Ashtera poles, which were uh, a large pole that looked like a male genitalia, which acts of things would take place underneath that in a form of worship. So blatant sexual promiscuity and all kinds of other uh, um, just sort of twisted things that were being adopted into the Jewish culture or the Jewish religious uh, system. These things were taking place right outside their doors, okay? To the point where at one point, they were actually bringing idols into the altar of God and doing stuff. You can read that. Josiah, he's the boy king. Anyways, that's not where I'm going, other than to say what was being heralded during the time of Jeremiah, the things that he was saying was, where we're going is not the right place. Where we're headed is for destruction. Where we are uh, going to land in this situation is not going to be good, so repent. There's a message in there for us. But the reason that I'm sharing this is because in all of that, right, God is, is abundantly patient and abundantly kind and abundantly loving and merciful. And how do I, how do I know that? How, do I, how can I, uh, outside of just the Word of God, right, how do, I, how do I know that? Well, I know what He's done in me. I know what I've done and how desperately wicked and deceitful my heart was and he changed me because of his grace his mercy his love his compassion his desire to 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 see and to speak into me to step into who he made me to be but the interesting thing is that um we take the bible and we look at god as being angry Right, And what we fail to see is that a hundred years goes by, 200 years goes by, and God in his patience is like, please turn from sacrificing your children. Please turn from, from worshiping these other idols and doing other wicked things. Please stop doing this. I love you. I want you to turn to me. And the people would refuse. They would go their own way. They would create systems of thought that 
believed that this stuff was okay and they let they sort of a, made it seem like God was okay with it. But God kept saying through the real prophets, stop, don't do this. You're going the wrong way. And then all of a sudden he would, um, he would act in his righteous judgment and people, we look at the Bible and go, oh, God was just so angry. I mean, he was just the God that was always, you know, uh, smiting people or full of wrath. And it's just not true. It just is not true. So I'm going to give you two instances where, where number one in the book of Jeremiah, and one all the way back at the very beginning uh, with Moses. All right, so Jeremiah, here we go. Jeremiah chapter uh, 9, verses uh, 23 through um, 24. And this is during this time in culture, remember, where people did not need God. They didn't see what the purpose was of anything other than what they believed was okay. And they were creating God in their image and saying that all the stuff they were doing was fine and that God was okay with it. Okay, here we go. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this. This is the important boast, not the things you're creating, not your smarts and wisdom, not the fact that you have wealth or, or stuff or that you're strong and capable, but let the person who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That he understands and knows me. We have a God that wants us to know him, to understand him, not the religious God, but the God who has good for us. Okay, let me keep going. That he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love. That's never ending, solid, not based on circumstance. Love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things, I delight, declares the Lord. He's saying that the things that make him happy are steadfast love, justice, and righteousness. David was a man who we know to have sought after God's own heart. David was a flawed man who created, who committed horrible acts. We know that. And this is, should be giving us hope because if David was able to overcome all the stuff that, that he did, knowing that, you know, uh, God forgave him, uh, that's a message to us that uh, we, we too, like him, are able to pursue to the end the relationship that God wants and has for us. In one of uh, David's Psalms, it says in Psalm 28, 8, and David speaks, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, O Lord, I will seek your face. Seeking the face of God. So it's interesting because I got this conundrum playing in my mind, remembering this story uh, back in, in Exodus where 
seeing God's face was impossible. And we're going to go over that story, but I want to just say that there's something deeply intimate about the face of an individual, deeply intimate. Those who are married know when you stare at your spouse in his or her face and you look them in their eyes and you show care and love and tenderness and concern, you are connecting in a way that isn't uh, on the regular plane of communication. And what I mean is when you're just sharing information, uh, things that need to take place or uh, errands that need to be run and you're in different rooms and you're just kind of hollering out and you're having this dialogue, but it isn't the, 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 the intimate, I want to seek your face. I want to know what's going on in your heart through your eyes and your soul. I want to connect with you in that way. And ironically, we see this this in um, the life of Moses. So it's, it's fascinating how in, in Exodus chapter uh, 33, right, uh, verse 11, it says, um, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses, face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again to the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So he would wait outside and Moses would speak to God in the tent like one um, face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And you're like, okay, so um, how is that? How is that when, when Moses says, I want you to show me your glory in just a couple verses after this? And you go, this is cha- uh, chapter 33 of, um, of, of Exodus. And then chapter 34, God goes to reveal himself. And I just thought this is a, a kind of a conundrum because God says, nobody can see my face and live. In that same chapter, Moses says, I speak, to, Moses is the writer, by the way, of Exodus. Moses says, I speak to God face to face as one speaks to his friend. A few verses later, God says, nobody can see my face and live. So is this a contradiction or, or what are we supposed to derive from this? Well, I have some thoughts on it. First of all, I want to say this, um, when, when we read, uh, the book of Exodus, again, Moses wrote the book. We do know one thing that God is set out as a triune God. So is it possible that, um, those of us theologically who understand sort of background of uh, description of God, we have we hear that the angel of the Lord appeared, and then it was later said that the angel of the Lord was God. And so many of uh, uh, biblical scholars and those of us who studied the Word understand this to be Jesus, that Jesus, you know, appeared uh, in in some human-like or bodily form, and had these interactions with with mankind. But what we're seeing in this particular case is that, and I believe that to be the case where, where literally you're seeing 
uh, Moses say, I meet with God face to face as a friend, as a, as somebody meets and talks with a friend. But then in the same chapter, he's like, but nobody can see the face of God and live. So we're like, okay, so how does this correlate? Well, here's it. Here it is. I believe so. God, the father is spirit and those who worship him, worship in spirit and in truth. So God, the father as spirit, as we know him, the Bible says he exists in inapproachable light. Okay. Jesus doesn't. God, the father does. So Moses is having this communication, this, this, this sort of dialogue with God, the father, and he's already meeting with God, but it's God, the son. And, and obviously the spirit of God is, is, is all around doing amazing things consistently. But he goes into, uh, he, he goes into this conversation and God says, all right, like, God, the father says, okay, I am going to, I am going to reveal myself to you, but this is what you have to do. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock. I'm going to hide you in the crack of a rock. I'm going to read this. I got to find my glasses. Hold on. He says, I'm going to hide you in the crack of a rock. And when I walk by, I will show you the backside, my, like the, the backside of me as I pass through. So let me get to that. Okay. So let's see here. Then the Lord came down in the cloud. This is 34 verse, uh, uh, verse five. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed, right? This is awesome. This is what God is saying. And this is the reason of, of this, this, this episode. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord, Yahweh. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, this is what God is saying, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to a thousand and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's God. That's God. He's the God who, who says that he delights in relationship. He's the God who says he wants to be connected, who wants us to seek his face, not to be religious, not to be stuck in this um, r- relational exchange without it being intimate. And how do we do that? What does that look like? How, how do we engage in that? Well, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to commune. Our spirit can commune with God. So what does the voice of God sound like? Well, it's always patient. He is always patient. It's never, it's never um, judgmental or, or unkind. It says that the patience of God leads us to repentance like God, God has this way in our lives of wooing us and, and caring for us to where we become broken inside over his compassion and his kindness and his love. That's what brings us to repentance. There is a, there is a repentance that comes out of fear. I understand that, right? And, and many people have given their lives to God because they didn't want to go to hell. 
And that was kind of this religious sort of thing pointing them to to God or to relationship. But remember, religion's design uh, in totality, the structure of religion is to point you to God, but it doesn't actually it doesn't actually reveal God without Jesus Christ. So I think I think there's a message in here. God said, God the Father says, nobody can see my face and live. And maybe that was because we were supposed to die. We were supposed to die to self. And because of us coming to an encounter with Jesus Christ, we've seen the face of God. Jesus says, when you look at me, you see the one who sent me. And they were like, just show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. And and Jesus' response to that was, well, he who has seen me has seen the Father. The face of the Father is manifest and represented in the person of Jesus Christ. So those of us who have had an encounter with Jesus Christ and have been forgiven and, and cleansed and set free, we get to walk into that relationship where we no longer have the barrier to have to hide in a rock away from a scary God. We get to have an encounter with him face to face. So if you're, if you don't know Jesus, he wants to have that encounter. He, he wants you to, to enter in and get to that place. It's an easy step. God, I need you desperately. And I want you to forgive me. And I know that you can because you promised that through Jesus, that forgiveness was available. So I receive that forgiveness and I accept that into my life. And I, I believe that you're going to change me. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come into my life and change me. God bless you guys. Hopefully this was beneficial. Remember, God is a God of loving kindness and mercy and grace. And, and just he has so much more for us more for us, more. God bless you. Let's do this again next week. Thank you everyone for tuning in to God Talk Uncensored. We appreciate your support and until next time, God bless you.